I really want to um, share something that I felt the Holy Spirit just been speaking to me afresh about. And over this lockdown, I've really uh, spent some time waiting on the Lord and um, challenged me in many personal areas of my life, but also um, calling me up as well. And uh, so I want to just share something that I felt the Lord been speaking to me about. And uh, I've been reading the, reading the book of uh, Jeremiah. And I felt the Holy Spirit wants to bring out this. He, he just literally placed it in my heart for about two weeks ago. And uh, so I want to open it up for you this morning. And uh, let's look, look in Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah chapter 12. And uh, Jeremiah is a great prophet. Um, I'll open up his scripture, open up his life maybe at another time. But he, he's a man who, is, who has, an, has a call of God upon his life, but also experiences a lot of highs and lows. He's a very, he experienced a lot of emotion, had a, very, a lot of high points, but he also got deeply depressed as well. He, and so um, he had just amazing experiences. Uh, but then, see, God brought him on a journey. He didn't start that way. He started as a young, as a young man, started as, obviously as, as a baby, but grew to a point where uh, he was able to lead and, and, and influence the nation of Israel. We brought, uh, God used him to, to literally to change eternity. And uh, there were times, though, how, how, however, that he got to a point where he was quite perplexed with what, was, what life was happening, quite perplexed with God. And here's one of these uh, occasions. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 12, he says in verse 1, Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring before you this complaint. So one of the things we see is here's Jeremiah. He's already he'd done a few cool things, but he, he was in a point in his life where he was struggling to understand what was going on around him. He was, he was struggling to understand what he was seeing and what he was experiencing. He was struggling to understand, or try, he was struggling to reconcile his experiences uh, with his life with, with God. And in, in other words, he reached his capacity at some point. And all of us, we, we get to a point where we wrestle with things. We, there are things that we do not understand. There are things that we experience around us. There are things that we experience um, in us. We see things, hear things. And it's almost in a, in a paradox, funny enough, or a, a complete contrast to what we know God is called or what we know God is like. How many people know what I'm talking about? So he says here, uh, in the first, first, first verse of this chapter, he, st he starts to pray to God. And so he's frustrated about what he's experienced. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get frustrated with what I know God has called me to, what I know God has spoken to me about, but yet I'm but it seems that at loggerheads with what I'm experiencing around me. How many people know what I'm talking about? You get frustrated to a point. You get frustrated with, can get frustrated with God. You can get frustrated. Um, and sometimes you can get so frustrated, you're not even f sure what you're frustrated about. You just know that there's turmoil inside of your life. How many people know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's in your workplace, wherever it is. We all go through times like that. But one of the things is this. He's frustrated about what he is seeing and he's experiencing. One, and so for him, it was about how the wicked and treacherous seem to be so prosperous and fruitful. In other words, he's looking at all of these people that don't like God, that, in fact, um, are nasty people, but yet they seem to be prosperous. And I've, asked, I've even asked God that question myself. Even David the psalmist uh, asked God the same thing. He said, why, when I look at these people, they look to be doing so well, yet 
me, I pray, I, 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 I follow, I, I pray every day, I seek your face, I, I word, I, I fast, I give, I do all these things. But yet how come it looks like these people are seem to be moving forward and life seems to be different for me? How many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. So he's frustrated. He sees uh, these people who don't pray, they don't worship, they don't tithe, they don't serve God, but yet they seem to be doing well in life. They seem to have... Uh, uh, seem to be doing well financially, seem to be doing well in their business, appear to be doing well in their marriage, appear to be doing well. But things, one of the things that we know is this, not, life is not always as it at first appears. And so one of the things he does, he's, he's, he's frustrated inside. And one of the things I know about frustration is this, frustration indicates where our capacity is. So one of the things you see, he, he starts to complain. He, the Bible says he complained to God. And God is, I believe, I know for a fact that he's on a journey of growing us. He's growing, he wants to grow us into a place of maturity. He wants to grow us into a place where we are fully like Jesus Christ, that we are walking fully in what he's called us to do and be. Right? But on the way, there's a few complaints, there's a few frustrations. And one of the things I find is this, Whenever I start complaining, or whenever I hear people around me start to complain, one of the things is this, complaints are an indication of where people have reached their capacity. If you want to know where somebody's capacity is, get them to the point where they start moaning or complaining. <laughs> then you'll know, whether it's in their thinking, whether it's in their heart, whether it's in their emotions. The moment people start grizzling or start complaining, you know at that point, at that level. So the question is, what are they complaining about? That's the obvious, that's the next question. One of the things I've considered for my own self is this. Have you ever complained about something and then look back on it and think, that was pretty trivial. <laughs> in the light of things, in the light of what God has called me to do, in the light of what God has called me to be, how come I can get so easily swiping, no swiping? Somebody say. Swiping, no swiping. Yeah, you're a member from last Sunday. That we can get sideswiped by the little frustrations. Sometimes it's, it's, it's demonic spirits, but sometimes it's frustrations. We can get sideswiped by complaints or, our, or what's going on inside of our hearts. So here is uh, Jeremiah. He gets to that point. So he starts complaining which is often a signal where we have reached our capacity somewhere in either our thinking, our reasoning, understanding, or emotions. And in the fifth verse, and this is what I want to bring out to you today, God responds. God responds. And it's in this response that I want to open up for us today. And in Jeremiah 12, verse 5, and, verse 5, and he says, The Lord rebuked Jeremiah for his impatience, saying this, If you have raced with men on foot... And they have wearied you and tired you out. In other words, or if you've raced with men, if you've had a competition with men on feet and you started to complain at this level and they've tired you out, they've frustrated you, how will you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace where you feel secure, then how will you do among the lions and the flooded thicket beside the Jordan. The message version says this, so Jeremiah, you're worn out in this foot race with men. What makes you think you can race against horses? 
and if you can't keep your wits about you in times of calm, what's really going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan and flood? You can see that in the world that we've just experienced. A few troubles came across the world and a whole bunch of Christians, Jesus loving and tithe paying people of faith, all of a sudden, kind of like I've never watched some boxing or something like that and you've got your eye on being the champion first round of the first fight you get a couple of knocks get all flustered and frustrated and it's like oh man how are you going to be a champion how are you going to walk in the, in the fullness of what you have or the fullness of what I've placed inside of you but yet after the first round, you want to quit church. <laughs> At the first round, you start sitting down and start whinging and whining about trivial things in the, in the, in the light of what I've really called you to do. Is that all it took for you to start whining? Is that all, you, is that all it took for you to quit? Is that all it took? Somebody didn't reply to your text. Pastor didn't reply to your text as soon as you said it. Really? Come on. Is that what it took for you to upset you? And so God is speaking to Jeremiah. He says, how? He said, if walking with, just doing a foot race with the fellas, they've tired you out. How on earth are you going to walk with the, with, run with horses? Now, I don't know about you, but but as a believer, as a son of the living God, I am not called to walk the same walk as everyone else. I'm not called to walk the same as the Joe Blow down the, down the road. I'm not called to walk in that life. I am called to run with horses. I'm called. I'm called to contend with horses. I'm called to contend with things far more powerful than me. Called to contend with things that only the supernatural power of God working inside of my life can cause me to, to, to be victorious. I love Judah. The Bible says that Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. Judah himself was a very strong man. The Bible says, or, uh, uh, not the Bible as such, but uh, uh, Hebrew historians say Judah was so strong, he could, uh, even if people turned up against him on horses, he would not back down. He could pull a dude off a horse and, and pummel him to the ground. How many dudes do you know roll like that? I know some people they see a miniature pony and they jump out of the corral friends that's the, that's the tribe that we belong to the tribe that we belong to has its origins of a man who could pull people off horses pull kings off horses of course if you're allergic to horses you know. and of course and this is what Jeremiah is frustrated with God. He's frustrated maybe with, I don't know, he's just frustrated. And God said, hey, 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 hey. He said, how are you going to run with the horses? How are you going to walk in the fullness if this is going to trip you up? See, your struggles, he said, are only footmen, footmen problems. They are not as big as or as strong as they seem in the context of what you have been called to. 
and an internal perspective. See, one of the things I find is this, that even I, I get frustrated with sometimes, but I feel the, whole, I feel the Lord speak to me and say, and just kind of remind me of what He's called me to be. Remind me of what He's placed inside of me. Remind me of prophetic words He's spoken over my life. Remind me of who I am in Him. Remind me of who He is in me. Remind me that my life is not just a few happy days and a few sad days, a few days fishing. That's not the context of my life. A few days of riding motorbikes, driving boats, racing cars. They're all good, but that's not the, con- that's not the fullness of my life. See, the thing is when we, our perspective on life will really shape the significance of our problems or the significance of our frustrations. See, if my life is lived from just a day to day, if my life is, the, if the perspective of my life is how great I can become or what position that I can attain or what's happening today or tomorrow, is today going to be a good day or is today going to be a bad day? If that is the perspective or the orientation of which my life, I can tell you now, I will never ever run with a horseman. I will never be able to run with horses. I will never walk into the fullness of what God has for me. That one of the keys to walking in is to have an eternal perspective that my life will not end when I physically die. What I do, the decisions, the way I run my life right now, the way that I, the decisions I make, the way I, I'm frustrated, and what I do with those frustrations, whether I quit and walk away or start moaning and complaining, what I do with those things will reflect on what I do in eternity. So the thing is, for many of us as Christians, we forget that we are an eternal being, that one day that we will enter, we will stand before God and give an account of our lives, that what we do in this life, our life does not end when we die. When we die, we move into 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 a space of eternity. The Bible speaks a lot about that, and Pastor Mike will be preaching on that shortly. But the thing is, if we have an eternal perspective, I can tell you now, what your frustrations will just turn into, into putty just like that. And so God reminded him, I believe this, your struggles are only footman problems. In other words, they're very, very minor compared to what you're about to face, son. (laughs) If you're getting caught up with somebody not texting you or somebody not liking you or somebody, whatever. Come on, please. (laughs) See, this confrontation, one of the things you see about Jeremiah is this confrontation lifted Jeremiah out of despair and onto his feet again. He started praying. He started getting up early again. He started believing. He started expectancy. He started to, he he responded to the call of God. And I believe this is what happened. In his spirit, he was reminded of who he is and what he is called to do. One of the things I find is this, when I get down in the dumps and I get down in the dumps, believe you me, Oh, man. I start reminding myself again. And this is why I need people. This is why we have a family, to remind us of who you are. But don't you quit like that. If you try and quit, I'll hunt you down. I'll stalk you. He was reminded of who he is and what he is called to do. I remember 
And Jeremiah, in verse 1, Jeremiah must have gone back in his heart, must have meditated back at the moment that God has called him. He must have remembered these words. He said, I, before, I knew you before I formed you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. He must have reflected on that. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. Don't say that you can't speak very well. Don't say that just because you didn't very well at school. It doesn't mean nothing. None of that matters. None of that matters. It doesn't matter whether I was born from a poor family or rich family. That does not matter. I ordained all of that. Don't reply. Don't you give me some of those lame excuses. For you will go wherever I send you, and do not be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth today. I appoint you to stand up. Stand up. Somebody say, Stand up. Stand up. I have called you to stand up against nations. I haven't called you just to. Speak to a few. I've called you to stand up against nations. Called you, I've appointed you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of them you must uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. So the life God had called him to was not just to roll on through life. And it was far greater than that. It was to defeat horses. It was to confront kingdoms, to confront nations. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? What kingdoms? Kingdoms of the, we've got governments, we've got issues in government. How many of you got brave enough to stand up against some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the things that the government brings out? How many people will stand? I mean, I'm not talking about putting Facebook, little comments on Facebook. That's not standing. <laughs> How many people will stand? You watch me in the few, next few days. The next few weeks, you watch. How many of you will stand up against? How many of you will stand in the, in, in the, in the financial space? God has not called you just to run a small business, baby. And in the, in, the, in the kingdoms of, of, of entertainment and the kingdoms of sports and the kingdoms of politics and the kingdoms of education and the kingdoms of the community and the kingdom of all these different kingdoms in the world. These are the space that God have called us to run into, not just to entertain, but to walk into, to tear things down, to tear this structure down and to build a new structure up. Yeah. It's not... It's one thing to give a few nice things out to poor people. But what about we lift the scale up? God has not just called us to give a few things out to some the people who are in need. What about owning the supermarket chain? Handbag chain. What are you going to do about running with horses? God has called us not to just come to church and be entertained. Not just to come to church, but to bring his kingdom into the earth, to run up against horses, to run up, to pull horses, pull people off horses. Some of you are thinking, oh, I've been there. You know, there was a day, one of the most 
memorable moments is when I stood in front of uh, the nation of Pakistan and nearly, there was about 200 top Muslim leaders, government officials, the lot were there. These were people that knew where, Os where Osama bin Laden was. They, these were the people that were, they controlled terrorist organizations. Stand up against horses, you reckon. You look at these people, you look at the wildness of their eyes. I'm reminded again, I've called you to compete against horses. I remember standing in front of all those people, broadcast across the whole nation in front of the, on the front page of every newspaper in that nation. As I spoke to them and challenged them and inspired them and Oh, I was shaking. I was sweating like nobody's business. <laughs> On the inside, I was terrified. But see, God had prepared me. And now he's done it again. And I believe in the days to come, I'm going to confront horses again. What about you? And I had the same frustrations. I've had the same frustrations. Lord, why this? Why that? Why that? He said, those are, those are footman problems. Don't worry about that. You wait till you start coming up against some things. You wait till you start really challenging some powers in the, in the world today. Wait till you start really coming up against some kingdoms. Then you'll start to see the lions. <laughs> see, one of the things that horses are symbolic of world powers that are driven by strong spiritual powers. They represent great strength and, and glory, worldly glory. The question is, it's one thing to talk about taking on these things, but the problem is so many people get tripped up on such small little wee things easy, this, trivial compared to what he's called us to. Trivial to what he's called you to. How, he says, so how are, you going to cut, how are you going to handle yourself when you come up against world powers that are, stripped, that are driven by strong spiritual powers? I tell you right now, I've had conversations with people, uh, national leaders, and I can, t I can assure you there are strong spiritual powers at work in our nation, both in the government, education, finance, and every sector of our society. There are, st there are spirit powers working. I'm not going to just sit here and say, we're going to take this land in the name of the Lord and not go out and do anything. waiting for somebody else to do it. Here am I, Lord, send somebody else. <laughs> so I was, I was praying. I said, Lord, I want to be used powerfully. And I was having a conversation with somebody, and they asked me, would you come and stand with me? Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, I will. The fast flow, how are you going to complete when the Jordan River is in flood? The Jordan River is symbolic of it. It was a fast, we've seen it. It's a fast flowing river. But symbolically it is seen as an obstacle to God's people entering their promised land. See, it's one thing when the Jordan River is, is at normal flow. I've seen it at normal flow. It's still fast, but it's, you're going to get wet, but it's manageable. You might slip a little bit, but you're, it's manageable. But he said, how are, you going to, how are you going to handle it when that river's in flood? Because when it's in flood, that is a completely different story, honey. That is a completely different story. It's easy to kind of wade across it. You'll find your way. 
But when it's in flood, that means that there's lions in the thickets. There's lions waiting to pounce. There's, uh, you're hopping. I don't know if you've ever tried to cross a flooded river. It is a different beast. Once it, It's a different beast, I can tell you. But what it symbolizes is this. It's one thing to come to a place where God has caught us to the promised land and try and cross it when the river's easy. But sometimes you'll find when you get to that place, it is much bigger than you thought it would be. <laughs> it is much more intense than you thought it could ever be. And you think, God, why have you tricked me into this? <laughs> you knew darn well this river was going to be in flood. But here yeah, you brought me to it. Do you think he didn't know? <laughs> of course he knew. Because he's calling to something stronger than us. He's calling to his word. He's calling to his spirit that he's placed inside of us to, to run with horses, to be able to have dominion in the face of the world, to be able to conquer things that have come against us. Some people struggle, struggle to conquer their own visa card. Start there. <laughs> God has called us to deal with bigger things, to contend with running horses. He's going to do things through you that we think are impossible. But how do we contend with horses and win? We have to be trained. And this is the outcome of belonging to a church family, is that you would learn to run in the fullness of what God has called for you. Part of who we are as a church family, one of the outcomes is to train and equip us to at least keep up with foot soldiers. At the very minimum. At the very minimum to be able to hold a commitment. At the very minimum to be able to deal with an offense. And at the very minimum be able to deal with a small frustration. At the very minimum be able to face some things in our marriage. At the very, very minimum be able to handle an angry boss. Be, at the very, very minimum be able to talk to the past. At the very, very minimum be able to deal over. At the very, very minimum not be able to just walk away and not say anything. At the very minimum, be able to handle a couple of frustrations. At the very minimum, not complain about the music, not complain about that. <laughs> if you're caught up complaining at the music, if you're caught up complaining of little things, that's about where you're going to stay in your life. It's to equip you and to train you. That's why you work with kids. That's why you serve on the door. That's why you become a cell group leader. That's why you get involved. That's why you go to the, heal, the, the healing of the heart courses. Why? It's to help train you and equip you so that you can at least run with the foot soldiers. Baby, we haven't even started to confront horses yet. I love this. It's interesting. Yeah, the Boston Marathon attracts some of the greatest runners in the world. There was one winner. So the winner is automatically placed into one of the, it becomes one of the greatest athletes of our time. And there was one lady there. She ran the marathon in the spring of 1980. Her name was Rosie Ruiz. She was the first woman to, uh, to cross the finish line. She had all the celebrations, got the wreath put over her, and, oh, you're just awesome. You've you're just done a fantastic job. And, oh, you're in ministry now. You're just fantastic. And then somebody noticed, when the photos are being shot, somebody noticed, your thighs are a wee bit bigger than what would usually be required to run such a race. You've just got a too much little bit of wobble around here. 
True, somebody noticed it. The point being was this, she cheated. She actually didn't train for the race at all. What she did was she waited for an opportune time to jump the fence and then into the race. And she won. But somebody noticed something about the way she held herself, the way that she walked, the way that she looked. Actually, you haven't been trained. You haven't learned to be committed yet. You haven't learned to do the hard yards. You've got a bit of spiritual chubbiness around you. Shows me that you haven't been trained. Well, this is dangerous territory, isn't it, Aaron? Some people, when they succeed in ministry, do well. There's a bit of stuff around you. I mean, it's not going to happen for you. There's no shortcuts in facing, facing lions. There's no shortcuts in facing horses. Eventually, you're going to be found out. Actually, you haven't done the hard yards. You haven't been built. You haven't been trained. You haven't been shaped. You, 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 you're still living with your partner. You're still living in an ungodly relationship, but you're still trying to be in ministry. Honey, it doesn't work. You want to be a ministry, but you're still holding on to offenses. How come you still get offended over the littlest things and you want to be powerful in ministry? It's not going to work for you. You've got to carve that stuff off. She got disqualified. Eugene Patterson said to this about God's response. Life is difficult, Jeremiah. Are you going to quit at the first wave of opposition? Are you going to retreat when you find that there is more to life than three meals a day, riding a bike, going fishing, doing those things, having a few beers with the boys? I'm just modernizing it a little bit. Are you going to live cautiously or are you going to live courageously? I called you to live at your best, to pursue righteousness, to, to sustain a drive towards excellence. I called you to live a life of purpose far beyond what you can think yourself capable of living and promised you strength to fulfill your destiny. What is it that you really want, Jeremiah? Do you want to shuffle along with the rest of the crowd or do you want to run with horses? Today, I want to ask you, I want to ask myself, what do you really want? What's that song by the Spice Girls? No, I'm not going to be. <laughs> so, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm showing some cards right now. I better take that off my playlist. What do you really want? Is that, is, that, is that what's going to be the fullness of your life, that you've raced a few cars, raced a few motorbikes, gone out with the girls, had a few wines, had a few laughs and giggles, and, and, and then what? Gone to church a few times, sang a few songs, played the ties, had some good, good experiences. Really? That's all? Not me, baby. I'm going to allow somebody to speak and shape my life. Trim my attitudes. I'm going to take some time investing into my own life, not just waiting for somebody else to do it. I will start to study. I will start to learn. I will take responsibility for it. I will shape my attitudes. 
I will be the one that gets up in the morning and starts to pray. I will be the one that reaches out. I will start doing things. I will take responsibility for my own walk. I'm not going to get offended. I'm just going to deal with it. Even when somebody says, hey, you need to do this. Ah, who do you think you are? Ah, just take it on anyway. See, God has called us to contend with horses, to deal with the swelling Jordan. God has called us to take on things that you would never normally take on. Even right now, I'm feeling the call of God to take things on. I'd much rather not. Thank you very much. (laughs) But my life ain't going to be like the rest of anyone else's life. What about you? What about you? Everyone here, everyone here, there's a great call of God upon your life. Far bigger than what God had, what you think would be possible. I know the plans I have for you. I'm not going to tell you all the things that are in between, but I've called you. Tavani, I've called you. Doug, I've called you. Aaron, I've called you. I've called you. David, I've called you. And you. And you. Your heart. I've called you to far bigger things. Here, I'm just going to close on this. Here's a couple of reflective questions for you. Where are you complaining in life? Really, where, where are you complaining? Whether it's in your heart? Where, where's the space of your complaint? Where's the space of your frustration? Where is it? Come on, be honest. Write it down. Just think about it. Where am I? Am I just full of myself? Am I just complaining about me, my own, myself? Where am I full of myself? Where am I full of my own opinions and full of my own ideas? Where am I complaining? Where am I moaning? What is the subject of that? What is really in the light of eternity, in the light of what God has called you to? Really? Identify where are the parts in your life that you're starting to moan about? Here's another question. Really reflect on this. What is the perspective point to which you are tracking your life? In other words, what is the perspective point to where you make decisions? Is it just on what's going on around you? Is it just for the next few years? Or is it with an eternal perspective? Every one of us must answer that in our own personal way. What is the perspective point? Write it down. What is the perspective point to which I am tracking my life? Because if it's here, I'll be tripped up pretty easily. I'll get pretty frustrated. If it's just out there, the same thing will happen. It'll just take a little bit more time. However, if the perspective point of my life, where my life is tracking to, which affects my decisions, finance, church, marriage, prayer, if it's beyond my lifetime, it changes everything that's going on around me. Easy to tell where somebody's perspective point in life is. Very easy to tell. What frustration... Just got to look at the frustrations, look at the complaints. Last one. What has God called you to? What is your spiritual assignment in life? I, for Jeremiah, I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. 
I've called you to stand against nations and kingdoms. I've called you to tear things down. I've called you to build things up. I've called you to work with children. I've called you to build a, not just help people with food, but I've called you to change the way food is produced in the world. I've called you to break the stronghold of supermarket chains. Maybe it's in finance. I've called you not just to save a few dollars to give to some people, but I've called you to launch a new way of of governing finance, a new way of producing wealth. It's one thing to struggle to meet my power bill. How about I believe that God will give us new ideas to generate new forms of power? You only have to see who really holds the power in the world when there's a crisis. Food, power, finance. Where's the church and all that? Where's you? Where's you and I? We're still struggling, struggling to contend with footmen. Still trying to work out our own attitudes. Still trying to decide whether we want to come to this church or go to another church. <laughs> Please, for the life of me. Not quite sure whether I'll come to church this morning, but I know God wants to call me to do great things. Forget it. <laughs> come on, what has He called you to? Are you content just to walk the same walk as everyone else? For me, I ain't. Not me. If I offend somebody, it's not because I don't like you. Even as a church, I don't want to be the same church as everyone else. No. I don't want to be the same church as sings. Not me. Not us. That's not what we were called to. We were called to be a church that is walks in the supernatural power of God. We're called to be a church of people that raises up sons and daughters. We are called. I'm done. You got the message. <laughs> Let's just stand up to our feet. Wonderful Jesus. Father, we come before your presence today. We come before you as a great and mighty and holy God. A holy God. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the author and the finisher of our life. Lord, I thank you that you even yourself, we don't think like we think. That time is in your hands, O oh Lord. Eternity is in your hands. That you have placed eternity in our hearts, O oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us, that you've called every person in this place to live a life that contends with horses. I pray, O oh God, that your spirit would come into our lives afresh. Even as we have come down through this place of lockdown, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir in our lives again. Lord, that you would awaken us out of smallness, that you would awaken us out of complaints, that you would awaken us out of whinging or whining, that you would cause us to become the men and the women that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that today you would call us to be the church, that you have called us to be the church triumphant. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person in this room right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would again stir in their spirits, that you would stir in their hearts, that you would remind us of what you've called us to be. Help us, O oh God, to fix our eyes upon the unseen, that which is eternal, not that which is in front of us today. In Jesus' name. Lord God's people said, Amen.
Come on, I can't hear you. Oh, God's people said, come on, let's worship him. Come on, let's worship him today. presence has come over every heart and every life here today. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move in your power. Father, that you'd break us out of complacency, that you'd break us out of smallness. Help us, oh God, to live a big life, a life that echoes in eternity, a life that counts, a life that shakes nations, a, li a life that shakes our nation, a, a life that shakes the areas in our community. Lord, cause us, I pray, to live a big life. Cause us to rise above the things that hold us down, the small frustrations. Help us, O oh Lord. Give us the strength to run with horses, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said, all right. Come on, you give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. If you are, if you have come here today and you need prayer, you want somebody to pray for you, just was, we're going to finish in worship. I'd love for you just to come to the front. I'd love to stand with you in prayer. If you need to go, please feel free to go. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Yes, you